Podcast World. This is Caribbean Power Lunch, where we feature Black-owned businesses. I am your host, Kevin Valley, and today we go one-on-one with my good friend, an attorney, an entrepreneur, but most importantly, a mother, Emma Charles. How are you doing today? Hello, Kevin. I am doing fine. Thank you for having me today. Well, thank you for coming across. I mean, I know you're practically neighbors, but <laughs> to get you across here today was like, whoo, rocket science, you know, scheduling, babysitter, all of that. I know, that's how it goes. But, you know, we've been discussing it for a little while and I am happy that I can be here because I have been enjoying your podcast on Caribbean Power Lunch. All right. All right, Emma. So we're listening to you. You speak the Queen's English <laughs> with the Queen's accent. What brings you here to beautiful Trinidad and Tobago? Well, Kevin, I've been here actually for coming up to nine years. And I've obviously enjoyed it because I'm still here. Yay. I came here nine years ago when my dad came here. My dad is originally from Trinidad. And when he retired, he came back here and I followed him. I didn't expect to be here this long because <laughs> at that time I was more of a free spirit. But I'm still here and Trinidad is home now. Okay, okay, okay. So... Your parents were living in London for a while? Or what's the story there? Well, both of my parents are from the Caribbean. My mom is from Jamaica and my dad is from Trinidad. They both went to the UK by the Windrush era. And that's when they wanted Caribbean people to come and work and whatnot. Um, come from, they come from humble beginnings. My mom started off as a nurse. My dad was in the Royal Air Force. They worked out there. They raised their family. And they also actually had a business as well. And eventually that business became their sole revenue and their focus. So I have the vision. And I know the vision is real. What? Okay, so what was their business like? So they did property management. So they would buy properties. They would do them up, rent them out, sell them. Hey, I love Caribbean people, you know, no matter where we go, you know, we find a way to kind of capitalize on the system, you know, make that extra, extra income. Maybe everywhere else, but when we stay in the Caribbean, you know, we always go abroad and find a way to make it work. So you said property management services, but you're in that business as well, right? Yes. So that's one of my um, streams of revenue at the moment. So the family property management. Streams of revenue. (laughs) Well, we all need our streams of revenue. (laughs) I mean, I'm going to be quite honest, you know, I enjoy bringing in revenue and I enjoy spending it too. And it gives me that independence that allows me to enjoy life the way I'd like to. Wow. Okay. 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 So, well, all right, let's talk streams of revenue. What are your other um, streams of revenue, Emma? Okay. Well, so I'm I'm an attorney. Um, I qualified in the UK, worked there for a small amount of time and then came to Trinidad and I worked in Trinidad for a while. I'm actually employed full-time with an oil and gas company. I work in procurement and contracts there and I'm a team lead. So that's one of my streams. I enjoy it. It's great because I'm able to use my legal background and to work with people. The workload is is heavy. It's challenging, but I like it. I'm also a business owner as well. So you spoke about the property management. So I look after that down here for the family. So you brought that property management business from UK to Trinidad? Yes, in a sense, in a sense. So, you know, the family started it and I've continued growing it down here. Lovely, lovely. But today we are here to talk about your small business, coaching business. So let's talk a little bit about that. So what you're talking about there is the online business that I have. 
And basically, it's an online repository to help small businesses grow and protect themselves, really focus more on the legal registration side of a business. So when you say online business, is it that it's purely online? There's no, there are no transactions that take place face-to-face? Like, I can't get, come and sit down with you and ask you to, hey, Emma, you can help me register my business for free. So, so you can do that. And I realize that the preference has been for um, a lot of people to actually pick up the phone and call to place their orders, which is fine. But the actual, the, the business is set up so that you can actually go online and you can incorporate your business. So therefore, you can upload all your information online. You can make your payment online. We take that and we set up your business for you. It's meant to be hassle-free. Wow. Okay. So I just sit down in my office. I go on emmajcharles.com. Correct. And I said, here we go. I want to incorporate my business and type in some, what was the process? How does it work? So we have different packages on the website. And essentially, the packages allow, allow you to have your business name registered and to have your company incorporated. And then depending on the packages, we have some additions. So some of the additions may be some startup contracts that you need for your business. We also file for your BIR for your business. We provide your company stamp. And we also have a more of an all-inclusive package where we also provide your company domain name, your coming soon website, and just all the things that you really need just to get going and to to get your business off the ground. Okay, so that coming soon website and all that that includes actually That's the all-inclusive package. Yeah. So you have a website developer on board. Yes. Yep. Definitely. Lovely. Lovely. So tell me something. Doing this business, like, what a I know we're going to get into a lot of detail later, right? Doing this business, what are the main challenges that people come to you with? What are the main services people require of you? Well, I guess a lot of people don't really know where to start, to be honest. So a lot of people don't even know why they need to register their business. And they want to know, well, if they register their business, what type of business will they get? They want to understand the tax implications of registering their business. They want to understand implications of hiring and employing people and i'd say those were like the general queries that i get from small business owners okay so i want to take a step back here right because what is interesting to me right based on my research you've been in trinidad practicing law for something like 11 years correct well i've been in trinidad for nine years okay yes um so i've been practicing law for about 11 years Um, Where I currently work now, I actually work in procurement and contracts, which is actually one of my other areas I consult in. And and I'm a team lead there. So it's not hands-on legal, but I do do my legal services on the side as well. Okay. All right. I see you. I see you. All right. So you do that. You're a team lead at an oil and gas company. Right. You're operating in an oil and gas economy, right? So that's like being the go-to attorney for a tech company in Silicon Valley or even an investment bank on Wall Street, right? So all this is to say, what is your main reason for doing this? Because clearly it's not necessarily just purely financial, right? So what is the, what are you really trying to achieve? What sort of impact are you trying to have? What's your mission? Well, I guess in terms of the online business, my mission there was to set up a business where I can work anywhere in the world and have the flexibility of time and how I work. With the online business, a lot of it is automated and everything is done online. Also, it will allow me to grow my business as well from a geographical standpoint because it can touch and grow into other regions. 
So, you know, the streams of revenue is important, but it's how you do it. And I just really want that flexibility and to move away from that rigid nine to five structure. And that's what I'm seeking. Okay. So how did you decide that you wanted to start a business where you provide small business coaching? Like what fueled that? So I think growing up in a family of entrepreneurs, I understood the challenges that entrepreneurs face. Also, I wanted to get into something that was online. It was a good opportunity for me to fuse my legal knowledge and also to work with entrepreneurs, which is, you know, entrepreneurs is something that I understand. I am an entrepreneur. I grew up with entrepreneurs. And it was just a good fuse, I thought. Okay. So I tried it. I tested it. And it's something I'm enjoying. And it's something I actually do want to grow. Sorry. Was it also born out of a, a gap you saw in the market or so? Did you feel like... Because, I mean, for me, right... I'm in finance, right? And I still found it to be a, a lot of research to do to find out, okay, how do I go about doing this? How do I register this? What do I need? And all of that, you know? So it's, it was hard to find one place where you could get all that information right? until I discovered your website. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, so like I said, the fuse was there, but then also I wanted to solve a problem because they say when you start a business, you always have to see if you can solve a problem. And I realized that there was hardly any information about registering your business, how to register your business and even where you go. And actually, when you go, do go to register your business, the company registry, you can find that very confusing and it takes a long time. And sometimes you even go there and, you know, they don't they don't they're not taking you have to have exact cash as well. Oh, so hence we decided to bring the online, let's make it easy, you know, for the entrepreneur, hassle-free. Yikes, yikes, yikes. So it's like you go into this crowded government office and you stand up and wait in line, you take a number. and you Well, you stand up and wait. There's about five lines. You actually don't know if you're on the right line until you get to the front. Mm. <laughs> so, so it is a bit ouch, painful. Ouch, ouch, ouch. So you, so your company, your people do all of that while I sit down in my office in the AC and work very hard <laughs> and work very hard. <laughs> All right, let's let's see how it works, right? Let's go from idea to action, right? So first off, what are the different types of business structures that that people can incorporate through your shop? Okay, well, we really focus on limited companies. However, it's important to know that there's really three main business structures. So sole trader, the limited company that I just mentioned, and partnerships. Those are the main three businesses that people would incorporate their business as. So I hear you, right? I hear, I hear you when you, see, when you emphasize the importance of incorporating your business as a limited company as opposed to a sole trader or partnership. Right, yeah. So why is that? Okay. Well, the most basic one is sole trader. So, and Caribbean Power Lunch, I'm actually not sure of your business status, <laughs> but I mean, a sole trader is literally when you have your business, you're operating and you're making a profit. So yeah, we are pre-revenue right now. Okay. <laughs> right now. Not, not for long, I'm sure. Not for long at all, right? But if you are running your business and if you are making a profit, you actually automatically become a sole trader. And when you automatically become a sole trader, you have a ob legal obligation to register that with the BIR. Okay. And that's the Board of Inland Revenue. Right. And then there's a process that you go to register as a sole trader um, and it's quite straightforward. It's not too complicated. And the obligations as a sole trader are also quite straightforward. But then you have the limited liability company where that is a different type of business structure. 
and the obligations are a bit more burdensome on the entrepreneur. However, the benefit from a limited liability is it actually provides you with legal and financial protection. Okay. All right. So question. One, how does that legal and financial protection work? Just for our listeners out there. And two, there are some benefits to be derived from registering as a sole trader, right? Yes, yes. Remember, so once you have your business and you're making a profit, you automatically become a sole trader. Right. Um, And you have an obligation where you have to register under the BIR. As a sole trader? Yes. And when you register as a sole trader, the obligations are, it's, it's, a, it's straightforward, it's simple, it's not, it's not very heavy, the obligations. Your main obligations is filing your tax returns and paying your taxes. Okay, and that's it? Yeah. Okay. There is a little but. Sorry? There is a but. What's the but? So with a sole trader, there's no protection. So if anything goes wrong, so if you're sued... If you take a loan out and you can't repay your loan for whatever reason and the bank needs to seize cash or assets, they will come directly to you. So all Kevin Valley assets, my cabin, my, my right. vehicle. I don't even own a cabin. Oh, so, so, right. So, you know, Caribbean power lunch, you know, if anything, I mean, it's very unlikely. But if in any sort of legal action, and I mean, audio recording, there's always a possibility that any, any type of business you do, there's always a possibility of legal action. Podcast will keep your lawyers at bay. <laughs> And this is just theoretical. So, you know, if someone was to make some sort of like slander allegation, you know, Kevin said something and he harmed my reputation and he knew what he was saying wasn't the right thing. You know, let's launch legal action against Kevin. And Kevin is found guilty. This is just a, this is just a theoretical example. Well, I mean, these things are real though. I mean, for any entrepreneur, we have to be aware of them. I am sitting out here talking to a lawyer and she's warning me. Like, I feel like you're sending me like a subtle hint. No, no, but you know, and these, sometimes these fines can be huge depending on the impact. And you know, you, you must pay your fine via your cash assets. And if you don't have your cash assets and they go to your, to your capital assets, such as, like you said, you know, your vehicle, your, your house. And, and that's the risk of a sole trader. However, with a limited company, you don't take that risk. Okay, so guys, let's register our companies as a limited company, okay? Let's not take that risk. Risk is not our friend. All right, so Emma, how do we go about registering a limited company? Okay, so to register a limited company, you need to firstly register your business name. Right. In order to register your business name, you have to make sure that uh, the name is not being used already. Right, but you could do a search online for that, Yes, you can search the company registry um, website to find out if there's what business names they are out there. Okay, okay. And when you apply for the business name, you're allowed to actually put three names. So if I go there and I see anybody with Caribbean Power Lunch, what to do? Should I, how do I refute that? Because I have my website, I have my, my trademark. <laughs> what do I do? So, I mean, first of all, if Caribbean Powerhouse is registered. Power Lunch. Power Lunch. Oh, sorry. <laughs> if Caribbean Power Lunch is registered as a business name, simply you wouldn't be able to register that as a business name. Okay, interesting, interesting. All right, so what's next? We got our name registered. Let's assume we got our name registered. Everything's okay. Right, so we got our name registered and then we fill out the necessary forms, which is the Articles of Incorporation, which gives details of who the directors are going to be, the um, secretary, the business registered address. And once those forms are completed, those are filed with a company registry. Okay, so is that secretary? What do secretary does? I mean, we understand the directors. What do secretary does? Because everybody thinks of secretary as, as our exec assistant, anything, but as a corporate secretary, that's a whole different role, right? Well, yes. So 
most people who incorporate their companies at a minimum they'll have to have two directors and a secretary so a director can actually be a secretary and under the company's act the secretary is basically the one who has to make sure that the company is acting legally that they're filing all their documents at the right time and that they're maintaining records of all their financial activities okay so i could be my own i could be the secretary as the person incorporates in the business right yeah you could be the director and you could be the secretary okay okay but i still need another director yes because you need a minimum two directors interesting interesting all right so the next thing i want to talk about it gives me a little headache you know it's just taxes ah how can we get to understand taxes emma what are some of the tax obligations a business owner will have to face and what do we have to do to prepare for that Okay, well, I can give you um, a light touch of the taxes. Yeah. Um, so essentially for a sole trader, the incorporation process is, is simpler and the obligation of taxes is mainly you pay your income tax and your health surcharge and you also have to file your annual tax returns. That means going to that government office again. Well, yes. So, That's, but they actually do, that, do you offer hassle-free service for um, for that as well? At the moment, no, we're not currently offering that. But actually, you can actually now do it online. They have got an online process where you can um, excellent file your taxes. But this is just in Trinidad and Tobago. Um, in Trinidad and Tobago, I'm talking about at this point. Okay, this doesn't apply to um, half Jamaican um, counterparts, right? So, unfortunately, I'm not sure what's going on in Jamaica at the moment. Okay, tough luck, Jamaica. And then you have the limited liability and those obligations for tax are a bit more burdensome than the sole trader. So you have corporation tax, business levy tax, green funding levy tax. And these are the three main taxes. So the green fund has a levy tax as well. So, yes. So that's about that's very small, 0.3%. And the business levy fund is 0.6%. And corporation tax well, has recently been increased to 30% of your profits. They increased it? Oh, of your profits, was, right, right. It was right. 25 before, it's now 30%. Right, 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 right. That was a few years ago. No, this was recent. This was recently. This was last year. Say. So these taxes, they have to be filed and paid quarterly. And then you also have to do your annual tax return as well. In addition to that, you also have to file your annual returns as well for a limited company. So, I mean, you're getting all this protection, but, you know, it's, it, it is coming with a bit more obligations. So, does the corporate secretary handle all of this, right? Yes. So, in, in theory, the corporate secretary would handle it. Or right. corporate se secretary slash director. Okay. 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 All right. So, what are some of the important contracts that business owners must have in place and, you know, what's important? Because I know on your website, you mentioned, you know, you, there needs to be a founder's agreement, or maybe an employment contract, you know, your freelance consultant contract and um, so on, like your lease agreement, right. non-disclosure. So it's kind of okay. goes for us. So that's good. I see you've been, you know, checking up on the website. Well, I mean, I, so, <laughs> am I research you to, yeah. to you, know, you know? So on the website, we actually do have a suite of legal templates that we give away with some of the packet with some of the packages, the incorporation packages. And Kevin, you're correct. Those are the main contracts. Yes. <laughs> 
And I mean, I mean, these contracts that you mentioned, I mean, really and truly, they're important for like entrepreneurs and startups because they help avoid some of the potential pitfalls that entrepreneurs find themselves into. For example, you know, getting paid on time, some of the risks that comes when you're an employer and you're hiring employees. So when you say getting paid on time. And your favorite one, copyright. (laughs) Yes, I love copyright. So... (laughs) So when you say getting paid on time, you mean from our um, our customers or you mean from what? What do you mean? Yep. Yep. So your customers, your clients, who you're doing the work for. So in exchange for the services, you're going to get paid. Right, but, right. you know, a huge pitfall is actually getting paid on time and or sometimes even getting paid at all. That's what the employment contract. Which- so, so no, for this, actually, you'd have a consultant. A consultant contract is very important. So if you're a consultant and you're offering services in exchange for, you know, payment or your business T's and C's, terms and conditions. T's and C's, guys. T's and C's. Go terms on. and conditions. Yes, yes. So those are the two main contracts that you would use for when you're offering services. And, you know, we have in the templates and in most contracts as well, you know, they'll have certain conditions to, to ensure that you can, you know, get that payment. Would you like me to go through it a bit more? Oh. Sure, sure. Because I'm sitting here like, wow, teach me. Okay. All right. So, so basically in these contracts, you know, the main thing is, you know, you, got, you have to state your role and how much you're charging for your services. That's the important thing. You have to state how you're going to get paid and when you're going to get paid. So some of the advice we actually give entrepreneurs is it's good to, you know, rather than wait till the end of your services to then put your invoice for payment, it's good to maybe set up milestone payments where you can actually, you know, get paid maybe some of it up front or some of it after you've done a certain amount of the work. And then maybe when you hand in your, your first draft and then the, and then you can have another percentage portion at the end of your service. So milestone payments. Okay. So these are essentially work fees. Right. Okay. So, you know, you have your key deliverables and you align those to payment rather than having the payment right at the end. So that can help as well. And then also you can have a penalty as well for late payment that you can actually put in the contract. And we have those in our templates. Interesting. So, I mean, all these, all these provisions actually make it clear on what has been promised. And if there has been a breach and it's not been delivered, it's easy evidence for you to actually say or to write a letter to say you know, demanding payment. And if all fails... You know, you can actually, as an entrepreneur, take the person, whoever's not paying you, to the petty civil courts where you actually don't need legal representation or a lawyer. You can do that yourself as long as the amount is under 50,000 TT. Okay. On your website, right. you mention a particular clause to include in your consultant slash freelance agreement. Right. Okay. Called um, scope creep. And I think that's particularly important because it's, it's so common right? right this is where all right you hire me to do a job mm-hmm. i show up to do the job all of a sudden the conditions upon which i'm supposed to do the job changes and let's say it takes me a lot more time a lot more work for me is involved how do i make sure that i am compensated for this inconvenience and this and this extra time that i'm putting into this job right so i mean the contracts have provisions for scope creep and essentially you will actually put what the service is that you're providing and then there's a clause to support that in the contract that says where there's a change you as a consultant will provide notice of this change and you will also provide the the price change as well and to be paid for that okay 
So in practice, I mean, based on your experience, do you see these things going over well with the employers? Oh, you mean in whether they're going to receive the... Yeah, the, they receive the, well, yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of, a lot of these um, terms and conditions are standard terms and conditions. And some of these legal contracts, you know, they, they can be adjusted. I mean, it's good to, to leave them as they are. But, you know, in business, everyone has different leverage depending on what type of transaction you're doing. And there may be times when you have to like change or negotiate, which is fine. That's just part of business. But, you know, to have those terms in the first place, and if you can use them, it, it, it does help you in the long run. This is really interesting because what I notice a lot of these agreements, a lot of these contracts take place via handshake or maybe a WhatsApp conversation right, yeah. or even just to be formal, an email. Right, yeah. But to say that, you know, we have these standardized contracts which you advise on with all these terms to protect well, everybody involved and creates a nice win-win situation, right? Okay, I want to move on to, I guess, my favorite part, right? Copyright and IP. Right. Okay. All right. So I want to I want to paint you a nice hypothetical here, right? So let's say I'm on a company's website or on a company's Facebook page, and I find a piece of content that I like, right? And I decide, okay, I want to post it on Caribbean Power Launch's IG without crediting the source. Does um copyright law differ from say a business's social media page? as opposed to its website or am I in trouble? Uh, yeah, yeah, potentially you are in trouble there, Kevin. Because I mean, copyright is actually protects people's works that they created and it protects other people from using it as their own work. So if you don't put who, who the photographer is or where you got the image from, it, it kind of infers that it may be your photograph or your work. So yeah, so th- you would be potentially in breach of copyright in that instance okay and i know and i know copyright is something that because i mean you've you've asked me before a few questions on copyrights and you know registering your name and it's very important And i think a lot of entrepreneurs do worry about whether people will you know copy their name or their logo you know and and i think it's really important that you know you have different copyright in trinidad is automatic first of all okay how does that automatic copyright work well, when you create something that's your your own original creation, whether it's um, like a written article or artistic work, then it belongs to you and you automatically have the copyright and that protects against other people copying your works. Well, funny you say that, you know, Emma, because while doing my research. Okay. On my uh, website? No, no. On your Facebook page. Oh, my gosh. While doing my research, I actually took a picture from your company's Facebook page because I liked it. Right. Okay. Right? It was a nice picture. It's, it spoke about one entrepreneur versus entrepreneur. Right. right? And, I think I vaguely remember that one. Right. And telling people. So one entrepreneur is so people who have an idea one month. Mm-hmm. Next month, they still have the idea. They're nursing the idea like it's a baby. And entrepreneurs, people who have an idea one month. And the next month, business. Doers. Exactly. Idea to action. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's what we want. We try to encourage people to do on this show on Caribbean Power Lunch. Right, so I saw that. I saved the image. I went to Instagram, and I posted it. And I did not say that I got it from okay. from you. Right. <laughs> so please, Emma, do not oh, come after me. Right. Okay. Do not sue me. <laughs> please don't sue You're me. Infringing Emma. my copyrights. Yeah. So is that infringement? Because well, did you create that image? 
No, I didn't. You infringe on somebody's copyright. (laughs) Sit down, Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that my um, content team would have put the author or where they got that image from. Hmm. So that it comes across as though we're not copying and we actually pay in respects to where we found the image from. I didn't see any, any indication of where you got it from. Are you sure? I promise. Okay, well, I haven't seen that image for a long time, so I can't comment. No comment. Go to Instagram.com slash Caribbean Power Lunch. Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> All right, but how does copyright work, though? Because on your website, you mentioned that copyright is automatic, right? So how does that automatic copyright work? Well, so if you create something that's originally yours, whether it's written or whether it's artistic, then you are the owner and no one else can use it and say it's theirs. So you have the rights to reproduce it. You have the rights to record it. You have the rights to use it how you wish to because you're the owner of it. Okay, so for instance, we are on this podcast here. We're recording, we're talking. And I'm hoping that you're not going to leave a bill in the cabin studios after you're done. But is this is this content that you're giving me, that you're giving to Caribbean Power Lunch, that you're giving to the podcast world, is this mine? Well, so this guidance is more like guidance, healthy tips here. And a lot of this you can find on the website. But from a guidance point of view, it'd be most likely inferred that you would own this copyright because you are producing this audio recording. Okay. So is that so it's yours, Kevin. Thank you, Emma. We appreciate it. So is this similar to, let's say, let's say I'm producing an event, right? right? Shout out to Brendan Braffitt, episode 10. So what if I'm producing an event and I hire a photographer to come and shoot pictures at said event. Right. When he shoots those pictures of those people playing those games, so say it's a sports day or so, those pictures, who do they belong to? Well, it depends what you, did you sign anything with this photographer? If I'm this, Brendan, for sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, the event, um, if you signed it over. So the best thing in that situation is to have an agreement where you sign over the images to the event, to whoever is sponsoring or commissioning the photographer, just to be on the safe side. Okay. So essentially in everything that you do, you you need to make sure that you have a contract in place. It helps because, you know, copyright is you're the original creator. So the original creator of those photos and the development of those photos would most likely be the photographer. So to be on the safe side, it's well advised for you to have your contract or agreement in place, which is just simply saying to transfer those images, those copyrights to whoever is commissioning. Okay. So, and not to belabor the point, but just another example. So let's say I got a graphic designer to do my logo. Okay. And I don't have an explicit contract where we sign with our signatures, but let's say we have an email thread or so. Right. Would that email suffice? Uh, What would that email say? Um, Can you design this? The email would say, I paid X designer X amount of money for this logo. Thank you. Right. Yes. So, yes, you paid for it. But in terms of the copyright and the original creator of the logo, they would have the original copyright. I mean, your email would help to support the case that, you know, it should have been transferred or the intention was to transfer it to you. Again, to be on the safe side, it's it's better just to have a contract or some sort of direct, you know, verbiage that says the copyrights will be transferred over to Kevin Valley or Caribbean Power Lunch. I'm still not sure if you're doing your business as a sole trader or incorporated company. That one you seem to be keeping a secret. <laughs> they're big plans. They're big plans. They're big plans. <laughs> but okay, so that, that's interesting. So 
the custom is in practice right so many people operate via handshake agreements and email or so so is it that there's so many people out there that are exposed themselves and they're actually a bunch of freelance graphic designers web developers and so on and so forth that actually own the copyright to their work to their content well yes that's certainly correct yes i mean so they do own the original copyright and, and in most cases this handshake does work and in some cases it actually doesn't wow this is this is quite scary emma <laughs> well well again you know there's no need to be scared you know just i mean going forward just you know try and get the right documents in place and a lot of these documents are very standard documents as well so do i need to go and hire a lawyer like yourself in let's say to go back and kind of correct all of these well i'm not sure the extent of how much engagement you've had but you know going forward you know it's as simple as even in your email just saying uh the copyrights will be transferred to myself and then agreeing to that into another email okay so you should use that language yes. in your copyright yes in uh, your emails i mean that that will help and again you can have a contract or a contract template we do have templates but it is good to get legal advice as well legal advice isn't cheap unless you have like microphones and a digital recorder in your I mean not not always <laughs> but then again you know investing in your business isn't cheap either that is true that is true so does the same thing apply with logos per se so let's say when you're doing your logos right you know the graphic designer always say hey put a TM in your logo does that automatically mean here we're going on your logo is safe nobody else is going to can steal your trademark well, so again, if the graphic designer designs a logo, Kevin, they will most likely have the copyright. But if you design your logo, then you will have the copyright. Or if you transferred it to yourself from the graphic designer, you would have the copyright. And that's copyrights. But you're talking about the TM, which is trademarks. Right. And that's a separate type of protection where right. you can actually go and register. And yes, you could go and register your logo, your company name as a trademark to have that broader protection. Okay, Emma, but many people actually operating right now with logos that have tm in them and they have not registered those trademarks so why would they put the tm in them to make people think oh, right. that they okay. registered those trademarks <laughs> right. so nobody comes and steal their trademarks okay so are they okay or can somebody still go and steal, steal their trade well i mean trademarks are registered so when a search is done on the trademark registry and they're not there then they wouldn't have that protection Okay, but is it easy to access that search database online? Um, it, it should be. Um, I'm not quite sure because I have not uh, tried to access the one in Trinidad, but, you know, it, it is online. All right, so all this said, how do you identify that your content has been stolen or used without permission? Do you just have to see it by happenstance? Do you just have to see it in a blog post? Does your friend need to share it on your Facebook and you'll be like, whoa, whoa, that's mine. Like, how do you go ahead identifying this well how i mean that's a good question so how do you know who is out there and using your content or your images there is one thing called google alerts so that is something that you can actually use and you can actually put a portion of your article i guess this is more literacy into the search and it will find matches out there on the internet in the cyber world and that's something you could do to check if you have any of your like written material is being infringed or used out there so that's google alerts that's something i'm aware of Okay. And I guess if it does show that if you do find that, you know, your, your work is being used out there, and once you identify, you can always write to whoever is using your work and ask them to stop using your work. As simple as that. And if they reply, lol. 
Well, then you can write a stronger letter, which we call a cease and desist letter, which is telling them, you know, to stop using your wet or legal action may be taken. And that's where you come in. Well, also, I mean, I guess if nothing else is done, there is some other actions you can use. You can actually write to the website hosting service. Okay, so I can write to GoDaddy or Hostgator. Right, and inform them of the infringement and show the evidence of the infringement. And sometimes they will take their own action as well. Okay. So Emma, your business, right? Small Business Simplified. What would you say is your secret to success? So Kevin, what works for me right now is really just being positive, having a vision and having a plan in place. And then also, I think it's the way my business structures work. So the the actual business plan I use is where, you know, I do come up with the strategy and vision. But in terms of the execution of a lot of my different businesses I have going on, I actually have a team and I work with different consultants, virtual assistants, legal secretaries to actually get the execution done. So to be honest, when it comes to the execution, I do about 40% of the execution, where 60% of the execution is done by my different team members. And right now, that is what enables me to move the different businesses. So the team is the secret source. That's what you really need. For myself at this present moment, it is a team. Okay. How do you go about recruiting and trusting such a a, a team to essentially carry 60% of your workload and 60% of your business and help you drive those revenues? Is it just through your network or so? So I'd say in terms of recruiting my team, a lot of it is through my networks and through people I know and just asking questions and finding out what works for them and who they've used. And I'm involved in a lot of different like entrepreneurial face, Facebook groups. And through those groups, you can ask questions and you get recommendations. And really, it's as simple as that. And you just have to kind of just let loose and just try and try and try and work with the person. And you, you kind of quickly w- know if that person is, is for you or not. And you have to be frank and you have to, you know, be upfront, give clear instructions, give clear feedback so you can get the best out of your team members. Okay, great. Great. So... You want to tell us more about your legal and procurement consulting services? Because that sounds pretty interesting. Well, like I said, you know, I do have my full-time role. And, you know, they say, you know, you shouldn't put all your eggs in one basket. So I do have my um, legal services and procurement consultancy that I do. And and it, it's good because, you know, it allows me to kind of hone my skills in those areas and to grow confidence. And, you know, I stepped outside from the nine to five and I started working independently as a consultant and it's something that I've really enjoyed you know it's given me a lot more confidence I've met some really interesting people and again you know I'm, I'm able to like share share the eggs in different baskets because we are in a we're right now you know the, the business climate is a bit shaky so your main mantra is diversify your revenue streams Yes, I um, diversify at this stage of where I am in my life is working for me. Eventually, they will maybe narrow down into where my passion is. But at this stage, that, that's what works for me. And it's, and it's through having that team. So where is your passion though? That's, that's, oh, my passion, right? Yeah, what's well, your passion, yeah? So, you know, to be quite honest, my passion is actually the property management side. Ah, mommy and daddy's business. That's, that's, that's what I enjoy. You know, I, I love seeing, you know, property, seeing what could happen, the changes, making the changes and like seeing someone who enjoys it and wants to buy it or rent it in terms of decorating. That's my thing. I just enjoy that. 
You get into decorating as well? Well, yeah, because I mean, some of the apartments you have to do up and be a bit innovative. Okay. Interesting. Well, Emma, thanks a lot okay. for all of the free legal advice you've given us today. Okay. Well, thank you for having me. And again, it was more legal guidance and legal tips, you know, to help entrepreneurs out there who may be a bit confused by the processes and all the different prescriptions out there. And it's just, you know, to help entrepreneurs grow and protect their business. And it's just some key, some key tips that, you know, hopefully will help entrepreneurs along the way. I hope so too. It definitely helped me. Let me ask you something. What do you think about consolidating international laws, right? So you see that we have... <laughs> I was like, watching me like, Kevin, what are you asking me? <laughs> oh, that was a bit, that sounds a bit hard. That sounds like a heavy one. <laughs> no, all right. So a lot of the laws you spoke about this evening, today, are geared towards Trinidad and Tobago, right? But what do you think... I'm just, I'm just kind of hypothesizing here. So what if every country operated under the same laws? Would that be possible? I mean, I, I know there are different government re regimes and all of that. But what if we all operated under one school of law, one body of law? Like, for example, medicine. If you have a cold, the cure is the same across all countries. Right, so like the single market maybe with the CARICOM and the yeah. European Union. Well, Kevin, it's, I mean, you're, I mean taking, so, you're taking this down. I mean, this, I mean, okay. I'm, I, I'm you're no, taking I'm this out, this affair of like entrepreneur, you know, small businesses. I think at I this am. point, you may need to make an appointment and come to my office. Ooh. <laughs> 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 no, I mean, all right. So for, another example. So in terms of accounting rules, right? There's IFRS, there's GAP, and then... The various European countries have their, their, their different accounting rules and stuff, right? But now everybody's trying to standardize and consolidate and into one body of accounting rules, right? So in terms of one body of law, of legal rules, right? So even if you look at people practicing in, um, in America and stuff, Chicago law is different from New York law. What if we all just had one law? Would it make it easier? So let's say you could go practice law in... Arizona or something. I mean, I'm not sure where Kevin is going with this one. Yeah, let's go in all over the place. If he's seeking some, you know, I'm not sure if he's expanding in other regions or, or you know. <laughs> but different regions have different laws. And if they had the similar law, then yes, it would be helpful because right. it'd be easier to utilize and you'd have a better understanding and better access. And that's something actually that is in all contracts, really, like the jurisdiction you put the jurisdiction and what law applies because, for example, you know, someone, it could be China, Chinese law, it could be the US law, and you don't want to sign a contract with that. So most contracts actually say this is Trinidad and Tobago so that you know that the contract can be validated and you can go to court in a country that you can access and have, you know, legal assistance with. Okay. But I'm, I'm kind of interested where you're going with this. Um, just the, like, the expansion concept. Well, I'm just kind of shooting the breeze, right? But I mean, I guess we could take this offline because right now people listening like, what? What is going on? What's this problem? I'm like, all right, okay, cool. <laughs> all right, Emma, where can we find you? Right. So you could check me out, emmajcharles.com. As simple as that. Okay, great. Well, podcast will. There you have it. If you enjoyed this episode, hit Emma up at hello at emmajcharles.com. That's emmajcharles.com. Give us a review 
and rating in Apple Podcasts or CastBox or wherever you listen to podcasts. And until next time, Cabin Studios, we are out. Thanks, Emma. Bye. Thank you.